Hello and welcome to Memory Lane. Each episode, I take a trip down Memory Lane with a very special guest as they bring in four photos from their lives to talk about. To check out the photos that we're talking about, they're all on the episode image and you can also see them a bit more clearly on our Instagram page. So have a little look at Memory Lane podcast. Come on, we can all be nosy together. Thank you for the pictures they weren't easy to get were they because you you're not at home i'm not no i'm in austin and i got like in the attic no photo albums or anything yeah, like no, that. that's so it's hard. literally and it's a relatively new phone and not everything not all the photos have come over to it so i had to do a little bit of detecting so this one of you this is the youngest one you could find for us you're 14 i think in it is that me on the roller skates yeah. <laughs> oh i couldn't see the roller skates I just thought you needed a piss and you were standing. (laughs) No, that's that's actually how I stood when I was 14. Well, they are tight shorts. They're very tight. The tightest tie-dyed shorts. Um, We really need to talk about the shorts. That is is me at maybe 13, 14. um, And it's uh, Great Yarmouth and it's um, the roller skates. And it's kind of... It is the youngest I could I, I had on me, and that was only because my brother quite recently sent it to me. Okay. And um, and it's uh, it it is. We used to go. It's really weird. I got a very um, uh, odd relationship with Great Yarmouth. I had a very very well have a very very good friend um, who was like a big brother to me and my brother, who was a police officer in Great Yarmouth, and we would go and spend. Uh, a portion of the summer holidays um, with him and his family when we were at home with our mum. Okay. And then, and then when we lost our mum, um, we went into a children's home and coincidentally one of the caravan parks that the children's home would go on summer holiday to was also in Great Yarmouth. Oh, so, um, so you could see him. So we would see him, yeah, and and hang out with him and and his mum and his brother and his you know his dad when his dad was alive. And um, so I got a very weird affinity with Great Yarmouth, yeah. and it was it was a very weird thing because it it was one of the few places, particularly when we were growing up with my mum, it was one of the few places, what well, the only place I'd gone to, um, where there were white people who didn't know black people. We were a novelty. The local, the, where Steve's mum, Steve was the, um, is my friend who's a police officer, where his mum used to live was right opposite the Pleasure Beach. Right. So it was right opposite, you know, where the, right opposite the um, the sea and where the roller coasters and the, and the donuts and the, you know, um, the um, duck thing, hooking the duck things were yeah. along the Pleasure Beach. So you lived right opposite it. And all of the houses had these really big alleyways behind them. And that's where all the local kids used to play. Yeah. And um, and when we were there, and they knew, as they would call it then, that the um, the coloured boys were um, back in the house, and mm. um, back at Steve's mum's place, they would come and knock on the door and go, are the black boys coming out to play? And um, my brother, who, you know, just was like, if, if you, when I was growing up, if you had asked, looked at us and gone, which one of those is going to be an actor, it would have been my brother really? nonstop. He was, he, yeah, he took all, he took up all the space in the room. Um, and I was, a, I barely spoke from one day to the next. Right. I used to just stand behind him and follow behind him. And they would come and knock on the door. My brother would go, yeah, 
yeah, sure. Let's go on. Let's go and have a look at that. Okay. And he would he would go running out, and I would kind of tentatively go out. And they literally invented this game in the alleyway, which was it was like a race, but it would they would we me and my brother would set off, and then all all of the local white kids would race to see who could get to one one or other of us first yeah. and touch our hair, and that's how <laughs> they won the game. And that was that was. Um, a vast majority of lots of days in my Blimey. how did you feel about up. it yeah well at the time it was it was i was as fascinated by them yeah. as as i think on one level that they were by me they had funny accents funny kind of norfolk suffolk accents and uh, i'd never really heard it before we you know we were full on london boys mm. when we were going roller skating there were always at least between 10 and 13 of us right with our own skates Skating down the main road of uh, in Great Yarmouth from the this caravan park, from the caravan park to the to the roller rink, and um, and you know they had never seen anything like it. Yeah. Partly because they did. there were quite a few black kids in the kids' home and mixed race kids and and white kids um, that I grew up with, and we would just bomb it down there, <laughs> and we were remarkably <laughs> confident in it. And I have very strong memories of kind of. Yeah, of of skating down or skating, we must have looked like a bit of a gang because you can see what I'm wearing. Oh, that and is I a statement the, outfit, mate. <laughs> I wasn't the least. Yeah, gregarious. that is. So, what year would but that be? Was, so we can just sort of put that fashion in a context. Late seventies, early eighties. Right. Yeah, we lived in a grade two listed Georgian mansion. Where was it? On the Tooting. edge. Of, on the edge of Tootingbeck Common, right okay. opposite the common. Um, and we all had bikes and we all, you know, and the first when I first formed um, a band, we would rehearse in the basement of the of the of the kids home and and it was uh, you know, it was uh, I would have much preferred not to have ended up living in a kids home, but if you end up living in one, um, you know, I would hope that you that the kids home you end up in is one that looks like the one I grew up in because really? um, it was a it, yeah it was a good example of how it can be done so you were 10 were you 10 when your mum died uh i was 11 close i was 11 so close sort of to, secondary yeah, school 12 right yeah just my first year of secondary school and it was me and my brother my brother was two and a half year, years older yeah and um and the you know the firstly the good thing that people did was they kept me and my brother together right which was really important the other thing was is that we were able to stay in our neighborhood so we we were kept in contact with our friends and our community but also we were able to still keep going to our school right so the 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 consistency yeah it was consistency and this is it still there no, they closed it down during... It's partly why I ended up getting fostered, but they they closed it down during uh, when Wandsworth, because it was in the borough of Wandsworth, where Wandsworth were trying to... Were, was famous for having um, a zero, zero poll tax. And um, part of the way that they managed to bring the poll tax and the community charge right down was by basically relinquishing their responsibility for things like right. council run children's homes and they moved into foster care and the house that we were living in and this was in I got fostered in maybe 81 82 something like that is that right 
Could that be right? When you in, were how uh, old? 79, when I was 15, just about to turn 16. Right. Um, uh, 16, I was. And um, I, got, uh, I got fostered. And at that point, in which was, must have been 80, 80 81, um, the house we were living, uh, living in was worth over three million quid. On the on the open market, right? And um, so they closed it down in order to sell it off to fill the coffers, basically. Yeah. And um, and we ended up getting getting fostered. Bloody hell! I mean, it should be a template for other children's homes, not shut down. <laughs> should be, you know, it sounds yeah, like you well, say I for mean, the context, it's... it's a good model. Yeah. So when and, did the acting um, get you? Acting got me not long after I was kind of fostered really in a group of school friends that I was hanging around with girls happened you know it was that I went to an all boys um comprehensive in Tooting Broadway Tooting Beck yeah and um there were a group of boys that I kind of got who were in my year and I knew and I played football with and rugby with and then we all went on a French exchange together and we got a little bit closer. And then all of a sudden, some of the girls who went on the French exchange from the local girls' school started, you know, mixing in with our with our group. Right. And um, and one of them wanted to be an actress. And, um, and I really liked this girl. And so she said she was going to go down and audition for this play at the Cockpit Theatre in Marlebone which was going to take her away for the whole summer right. if she got it. And I was like, unbeknownst to her, I kind of, you know, found out and kind of went down to... I didn't even know what fucking auditioning was. <laughs> I didn't even know. I'm just going like, to go where she's going. I'm just going where she's going. <laughs> so your next picture, if we were to do a screen swipe, it would be, and then... He was a movie star. <laughs> <laughs> is that the jump? Off? Yeah, that's because that is a great picture of you with an amazing group of people. I suppose this is Snatch, is it? Is it to do with? This was the premiere. Stevie G, there's Robbie G's in there. It's um, Vinnie Jones, Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt, Mike um, Reed, Guy Ritchie, Mike Reed, because yes. he was the jeweler in Snatch. Um, a uh, guy who played um, Gorgeous George is in there as well. I mean, it was, it was. You all look uh, really happy. Vaughan. This is happy times. It was. It was a. I tell you, Snatch was one of those that. It's a weird one because uh, I was already a working actor doing all. Yeah, that's a big jump from you leaving drama school to, yeah. to Snatch. I know you've yeah. done I, a lot. I'm sure you you have these moments where where you do a gig. And when you walk into, the gig comes out and is received however it's received, but when you walk into a meeting or an audition the next time, something shifted. And there are a couple of those that kind of dotted through my career. Line of Duty was one of those. Um, but Snatch was also really one. It suddenly, everything was happening and, and, we, and then we got these scripts for, um, uh, for Snatch. And I remember it was a Wednesday morning. And we got these scripts and my agent phoned up and said, these scripts have come in. They want to see you tomorrow because they're really close to production. And um, and I was like, oh, OK. So I read it and Lockstock had already been out. So I yeah. knew what to kind of expect. And um, I read it and the parts were really good. And um, I went and so we got the scripts Wednesday morning. We read for it 
Actually, the scripts arrived on Wednesday and the meeting was at four o'clock that afternoon. So we Why was it all so quick? Was, That's mad. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, it's because there was just a room, and there was just a room full of um, blackfellas of all ages. Uh-huh. It was everybody. Everybody was in, everybody basically who thought of themselves as an actor and was black or close to it was in that fucking room. Wow. And everybody everybody wanted this gig, and right. particularly after kind of Lockstock. Yeah. And they just started pairing people off. They just, you know, everybody was going to go in as a double and they just started pairing people off and they paired me off with Robbie G. And um, and I'd known Robbie from theatre and hanging around, but I'd never worked with him. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was me and Robbie and we were the first ones in. So we kind of um, went in and we we kind of did our stuff and then we went out and we got the phone call the, the next day um, that we'd been, got it. And we were chuffed and Robbie phones me up and when it's really it's really good and so we um got the scripts wednesday audition wednesday <laughs> afternoon got it on thursday <laughs> That's mad. and then we were in to do costumes and read-throughs and all of that on the Friday. And then we were filming on the Saturday. That's, and, that's just um, not heard of, is it, really? The yeah. Usually and protracted, because, you know, waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And it was because um, Guy had written it and he had, um, I think I can say this now, it's been a number of, it's been 20 years. Um <laughs> He had had two other um, people playing our roles all the way through it. Guy at that point, um, unless you were Hollywood, um, Guy at that point had a thing about trained actors um, or about professional actors. He wanted it authentic, like he wanted real gigs. Right, right. And, um, And so he had two other guys playing those parts. And um, all the way through it. And I subsequently learned, having a conversation with um, a couple of the producers, that almost every day they would go to Guy and go... Because he would keep rewriting and these parts were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And they kept going back to him and going, script's fantastic, but you've got to get actors for those parts. You've got to get actors for oh, those parts. God, you've got to really? get actors for those parts. And he was like, nah, nah, my mates... One of them was his mate and one of them was a face. And... Um, and they were doing it and they were taking acting classes and all of that. And they were, you know, and the producers kept coming back and going, you've got to get actors for that That's part. That's mad. At, yeah. And also because after Lockstock, you know, and particularly when it went to America, everybody and their aunt phoned up Guy or reached out to Guy saying, whatever you were going to, whatever you're doing next, I want to be a part of. Right. So the... The original cast list, or the people that the it went out to, Snatch went out to, or Schwarzenegger was supposed to be in it, Pacino was supposed <laughs> to be in it, Brad Pitt was supposed to be in That's it, That's incredible. Was supposed to be in, they were all. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And what he was just list. overwhelmed, so he was like, "Right, I want non-actors. I can't. I can't." Yeah, no. I mean, I'm, if I'm having all of these people, because it, it whittled itself down, and actually, the big star was obviously Brad Pitt. Yeah. And uh, and so they got they got and they got Brad, and he was like, I just want it to keep it real, and whatever his reasons, I never really had that <laughs> conversation with him. But um, he wasn't doing it. He wasn't doing it. And then he woke up on the Tuesday and went, "All right, get me actors." <laughs> Shit, I do need actors actually. Apparently, yeah. apparently, what happened, I found out later, is that Statham. Um, Statham, J- Jace Fleming, and I think Stevie G had already been kind of cast. Right. 
um, when they did when they did all the uh, all the all the auditions, guy went, "Come in here, come in here, and you know, tell me what you think of all of these these geezers that we've got." Kind of because um, he was Cockney back in those days. <laughs> he said, "Come in here, put it, put it, show me, show me what you, let me know what you think of it." And they saw me and Robbie up, and they went, "Those two, you got to have those two. It's oh, got to be those great. two. Those are the guys." And um, and so we ended up kind of being it. And the two actors, two guys who were playing those parts, were shifted onto other parts. Oh, really? In the film, which was really. I'm not going to name names, but was really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. Particularly as 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 one of them took it really personally, yeah. and and for a bit, kind of was telling anybody that would listen um, what a mess he was going to make of me. Oh if it, God. Should he come across? Should he come across me? That so fits the whole was... sort of brand of the of the whole. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that someone's pissed off. It's all going to kick off. There's a bit yeah. of drama around it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of testosterone in a Guy Ritchie production. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was very, it was very weird because the first time I met Vinnie Jones yeah. was I was coming off my trailer and he spotted me and he went, "It's Lenny in it," and I went, "Yeah, it is." And he went, "Listen, mate, if there's any trouble, don't worry about it because I, I, I got your back, right? It's nothing to worry about." And I went, "To be honest, Vinnie, I wasn't worried, but I really am now." Yeah, that is. I really am now. That isn't a normal hello, is it, on a set? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was you know it was a it was a phenomenon and you know um, we, I remember getting a, conv- a telephone call. Me and Robbie just kept phoning each other every time something would happen. We'd phone each other and go, "Mate, have you heard about this?" And we'd go, <laughs> "Yeah, they're putting us up at the Dorchester in a suite." <laughs> and then they said, and then they said to us, they said, and they're giving us another suite just to hang out in when we're doing the interviews, so we don't even have to go back to our own room. And um, and I remember two two really, I mean, and then we got a telephone call going, um, saying um, Gucci would like to dress you for the premiere. What? And I was like, yeah, no, you're, you know, you're right. I got, I got my own, I got my own suit. Yeah, yeah. And then I phoned up. Then I got a telephone call from Robbie, and he went, Gucci's going to dress us. And I went, yeah, I said no. And he went, what are you fucking mad? You get to keep the suit. Phone him back. Phone him back. This next photo, this says your wedding day, day, but it's not a traditional wedding photograph. No, it's not. <laughs> we, um, we got married after 20... Three years together, 23, oh, wow, 24 really? years together. Um, and um, we got married at the um, Los Angeles County Court. Right. Which is um, very close to the airport in Los Angeles. And you have to go through, because um, it is a working court, you have to, and again, coming back to guns and stuff, you have to go through metal detectors to go up to the eighth floor where, where there are hatches, matches and dispatches. Oh, so it's God. births, marriages and deaths oh, all on the same floor. And you don't want to get into the, 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 the wrong line. And it was one of those moments where basically we, I came over on a, uh, what most people do, you get is like an O-1 visa, which is um, otherwise known as the Rolling Stones visa because it was created in 1971 
um, up until 1971, up until this visa, how you got a visa was there was um, an, a lottery and a number. Right. And you put your name into it, and if your number came up, you got you got a visa, and that's how you applied for it. Oh. And there was a certain number, and then it cut off. In 1971, uh, America reached its quota, but they forgot that the Rolling Stones were coming on tour. And so they had to create this... A new category which was called Alien of Extraordinary Ability, <laughs> and it was created. It was created. That's how for, I think of the um, Rolling Mick, Stones. That's exactly <laughs> how I think of them. Um, and they were the first aliens of extraordinary ability, and that became the benchmark. Therefore, the one. The Why has no one ever taken that as an album name or a band name? Or I mean, I think somebody probably has. That's they, a great they band name. Should do. <laughs> Yeah, so um, my kids, because they're all under 21, they all got green cards if I got a green card. Mm. But my missus didn't get a green card because we weren't married. Ah, right. And um, so we all of a sudden had to get married. Yeah. And, um, and I had always been very resistant to the whole notion of it what? for Why? very childish reasons. Just because... Um, ball and chain. I, um, like, that sort of... <laughs> it, wasn't so much, it wasn't so much ball and chain. It was... When I was, this is the story I choose to tell. It was basically that I was just immature, but it was um, the story. I, I had two mates when I was growing up, very, very, very close mates yeah. who I was growing up, and they're both families that after I'd lost my mum, both of them had looked into fostering, um, fostering me. Right. There were other friends of of the family who had looked into fostering us both, and other ones who my my brother's friends who had looked into fostering him, but. Um, but both of these families had looked into um, fostering me um, uh, uh, after I lost my mum. And um, and one of the f- families, um, let's call them the Smiths, mm-hmm. and really loved up. You'd walk around the corner and they'd still be kissing each other. They're always holding hands. They were beautiful. And, um, and then I had another... A friend, really close friends, we'll call them the Joneses, and um, and the, the the Joneses were they, Mr. and Mrs. Jones never spoke to each other. I never saw them ever speak to each other, and they lived in the same house. There yeah, was, I you know I was around there. I was around there quite a lot, and um, she you know she would have his food ready for when he came home from work, but they never. They never engaged. They never spoke. He would say, "All right, boys," as he kind of came in. Yeah. But you know, they never really spoke to me. It was a deeply unhappy marriage, and it was a, it was like one of those subjects with your mates that you just never talk about. Right. And then I remember later finding out through my, you know, through my my Smith mate. Um, I remember having a conversation with him, talking about how loved up his mum and dad were. Yeah. And he and I remember him saying to me, "They're not married. They." Ah. And they never, they were never married. Right. And it was coincidence, as coincidence would have it, mm. they both happened to have the last same last name. Oh, so they just, right. They just carried on. So from then and, on in, were, in your head, the the longevity head, of a happy, happy relationship was not to get married. A happy relationship was the was the Smiths, not the Joneses. Bloody and, hell, that's um, just two and, couples. And it just, yeah, and it just stuck in my... Well, in two couples is your world when you're a kid. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that was like, well, that, that's it. If I'm having that conversation... I don't want to be the Joneses. I do want to be the I Smiths. Don't be the, I don't want to be the Smiths. I aspire to be the Smiths. And that was my kind of thing. And my miss, and my missus would respond like you. She'd kind of go, what? 
that's just ridiculous. <laughs> but I would stick to it adamantly because it was, you know, I decided that was me. Right. That's what defines me. And in a really weird, like, in a way, there is a romance to it. Like, it, that I can see your missus thinking, well, he is inadvertently saying he wants longevity with me because he wants to be like the Smiths who never got married. So there's a sort of yeah. compliment in there. But if... Yeah, if you have to dig for yeah. it. But if you're waiting for a proposal, it's really disappointing. You'll be like, oh, really those bloody happen. Smiths. Yeah. So our proposal was our missus going, I, I, um, I, we need to do this. Yeah, so it's purely we're legal. It on, we're, doing it, we're, we're doing it on Saturday. So we yeah, did. We got, it was just us. It was us and our and our three girls. Right. And then we went to our fa- our favourite restaurant, and that photograph is us walking out of the. It's a cool picture. Taken by one of my, well, taken out of as photographed by one of my other kids, who's um, is us getting out of the car, heading into our favourite restaurant. And it's all gone well. You haven't turned into the Joneses, have you? We haven't, not yet. <laughs> I mean, there are times when it feels like, oh right, we're just not talking to each other, <laughs> particularly particularly now in isolation. It's like. We're just walking. We're the Joneses. Uh, Shit. Not, uh, Let's not Joneses. be the Joneses. Shit. We gotta. We gotta sort this out. You look really happy to be sitting next to a really alarming zombie. It's it's he's he's <laughs> a um, uh, your favourite zombie. It says that was when that was when I it was my first episode when I got back on the show once they'd asked me to be to come back permanently right because um the first five years of the show i just did three episodes i did the first ever episode i did one episode in episode three uh-huh. and then i i did an um uh one one part of an episode in uh in episode in season five and um but that was the beginning of season six and you know and he is um uh Col- Col- Coleman is a um, stunt, you know, because you need, because of the prosthetics. Right. You ne- your stunt coordinators need to be, um, because they're zombies and um, old zombies, then, you know, they're not eating much, so they have to be kind of slightly skinny. So actually, he's somebody that I've killed, struck, stabbed in the head, <laughs> shot in the head, cut in half. Um, he's about in a bad 15 way. Times. <laughs> Yeah, it's about 15 times, but I never see him until that point, oh, until right. he's fully kind of, Mold. he's fully made up. <laughs> so the reason why I'm cracking up in that one is because we've got a pause in filming right. and he's come and sat down next to me in his full kind of makeup and he's gone, he's leant over and he's gone, all right, Len, it's really good to see you again. <laughs> and I was like, and I've gone... Who's that? And he went, it's Coleman. He's gone, like, I'm, like, it's my it's fault. Me. He's gone, it's Coleman. And I've gone, fuck, look at you. How am I supposed to know it's you? And that, and we just, we just cracked up. Yeah, and that's it's, great. And, it's, um, and it was just, you know, it was a, it was a, a moment that I loved where I was just like. This is Hollywood. Was, uh, this is my Hollywood. This is Hollywood. Yeah. And um, you, I, I never would have thought. And at that point, I'd been in America for two and a half, three years, something like that. Um, and, you know, and they, uh, um, they searched high and low and saw loads of people right. for that particular, those particular roles. And it ended up completely separate to each other. Um, ended up being me and Andy. And, and I remember a couple of times where we would just 
in the middle of scenes or having done something, we just look at each other and go, this is ridiculous. <laughs> How is this happening? <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> Normally we end the show with a photograph. I know it's really difficult because you're not at, at home and get your hands up, but we always end with another picture. So I'm going to nominate another picture for our chat to end on, which is I love, I tell you, I love that picture of all of us lot on Save Me because it looks like a real yeah. photo. It looks like yeah. a real bunch of people down the pub. It doesn't look like actors posing. <laughs> And I remember Nick took it with his camera, didn't he? It looked like it wasn't done yeah. by a professional photographer. Well, Nick is a professional director, but he did snap it on a camera to capture a sense of just a bunch of regulars down the boozer. And I yeah. and I loved that shot. I love that. I loved. I love that photograph. And I nearly put it in, but then I thought, is that like self promoting? I mean, what is that about? And I'd well, I'm in it, so I'd have been well chuffed. I'd have been like, yes. Yeah, I love that photograph, and I love it because I think it really embodies and no one's going to know because they're not there yeah but i think it really i think it really embodies the who who that group of people are yeah it was like we for me anyways it was like we struck gold yeah because i mean i'll i'll take all of us as actors and the job we did hands down but who we are as people and um and the fact that we got on and we liked each other and people liked coming to work and people enjoyed hanging out. I think I'm almost more proud of that, of being a part of creating that than I am actually creating the show. Well, it's a delight to be a part of it. I'm glad you were fucking fantastic. Oh, I, I see it's all been gearing towards me getting a compliment, Then That's what I've been after. The... <laughs> <laughs> it, only took, it only took like an hour and 33 minutes. Listen, thank you You're so much. You're wonderful, Oh, yes. We'll call it a day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, for chatting to me and sharing your photos. Thank you very much. That's it for this week. The rest of Series 1 is available with all the photos on our Instagram page. And Jen and I will be doing new episodes every week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.